Thank you. <laughs> How's everyone doing? Doing good? How am I? I'm doing great. You know, although like, oh, it got really cold though. Like all of a sudden yesterday I was out at the park, I was having a great time. Then today I was like, what's going on? It feels like winter out here. And like, you know, I'm not made for like cold weather. I don't do well with cold weather. Um, but I'm so glad to be here. As, as Sarah said, I was once a student here at Yonsei. I'm not going to say how long ago because, you know, they say black don't crack. So you may, you look at me right now, you think it was last year, right? Right? Now, y'all laughing way too hard. Some of y'all looking at me, and no, no, I can, I see the lines, I see the age. No, but I was a, I was an exchange student here. Actually, I was an atheist for uh, six years. Before that, I was kind of like a, holiday Christian, like I would go to church on Christmas and Easter. Uh, those are the only times, at least in, in my neighborhood where you grew up, Christmas and Easter, that was when you got really dressed up and everyone went to church. Um, but I didn't believe in Jesus. And then I became an atheist and I was an atheist for six years. And then my last year in college, my senior year in college, I encountered God at a bus stop. Crazy. Like it was like, Boom, shaka. It was just, and I was like crying. It was crazy. And then um, make a long story short, that was back in North Carolina in America. That's where I'm from. And that's right. That's right, Gone. That's right. Gone's from North Carolina as well. Woo! Woo! Come on. That's right. And, um, and then um, I, I started dating this Korean-American girl who, uh, she was an adoptee, and she found her long lost family in Korea. She came to Korea on exchange and I was like, you are the love of my life. And so, and so I hopped on a plane and I actually came here on exchange, which is where uh, she did not become my wife. My wife is somebody else. It, it didn't happen well. I'm not gonna get into that story, but I got discipled here. My life radically changed here. I was only here for six months, but by the time I left, I was a radically different person. And since that time, God has done amazing things in my life. I cannot uh, say, like he did it in six months. He radically changed me. I went back and phew, it's just been crazy ever since. Had an opportunity to travel the world and see God do miracles. I've seen the blind see, the lame walk, the deaf hear. I've seen it all. And now I'm in Itaewon. And, <laughs> and I'm in Itaewon. And um, I think that's because that's the area with the most brown people. So they put me there. And um, some of you guys, even right now, you're hearing jokes like that. And you're like, can I laugh? Is that okay? Is he going to be mad if I laugh? Like, I know back home where I'm from, I can't laugh at those jokes. It's fine, all right? It's fine. Now, now some of y'all looking at me right now saying, don't say that's fine. But it's fine. All right. But now, I'm really excited to be here. Every time I come, I was actually on staff with Emmaus. Um, for about a year and a half, I was on staff and then we went to plant the Itaewon church. And ever since then, it's just been, it was awesome being on a mayor's staff and just things continue to, to go from glory to glory. I say all that because I don't want you to underestimate what God can do in a semester. I don't want you to underestimate what God can do, not only in a semester, but even at the end of a semester. Cause let me tell you, when I came the first two months of my semester, you know what I'm saying? Let me, can I be honest? Can I be honest? You okay with me being honest? Tell me you, you, you cool with it, right? All right. It's, thank you. Thank you. Give me some. Give me some. I was up in Hongdae, okay? 
You know what goes on in Hongdae? You ever been up in Hongdae? Okay. Oh, no? Oh, okay. Some of y'all look mad nervous right now. Some of y'all, no, I don't know. I don't know. Don't look at me. Don't look at me. I was up in Hongdae. I was up in Xinchon. I was, I was partying, clubbing. I was doing all of that. And then I come to Emmaus on Tuesday nights. And then on Friday nights, be up in there, like, you know, I'd be up in there. We didn't have Drake back then, but we had the equivalent. And we'd be up in there hotline blinging and everything. And so, but God changed me at the end of the semester before I knew it. He healed me. He delivered me. And now my life is radically different. And so don't underestimate what God can do in a semester. Because even though you may think it's hopeless, God is so filled with hope when he looks at you and looks at your life. Um, Amen. So when I say amen, just say amen back. Even if you don't know what it means and you're confused, just say it back. Amen. Amen. I want to tell you the kind of person I am, the kind of preacher I am. I'm just giving you a warning. Okay. Some of you, if you sat on the first row, you're in for a great time. Because I'm sorry, you already look nervous. (laughs) I'm not going to hurt you. There's so many witnesses. What do you mean? Um, Nah, but. I'm the kind of person where I like to I like to walk around a bit. So I'm going to get in, I'm going to get in your personal space. Uh, you know, I don't know who came last week, but I know they didn't get in your personal space. Like I'm going to tonight. You with me? You with me? That's what I'm talking about. Like your sweater. And and so I just want you to know, but I'm also the kind of person that I like a little bit of feedback. So, you know, if you hear something that really resonates with you, don't just be like and in your mind be like, "Oh, that's really good." Outside, be like, mm, that's good. Let's practice. Mm, that's good. Oh, there we go. There we go. Say, say, come on with it. That's right, Sunday. That's right. Say, preach it, preacher. Come on, preach it, preacher. Okay, some of y'all, that's going to be too much. It's going to feel unnatural, so don't say that one. But what you can do is just be like, mm, yeah, amen. Hallelujah. There you go. Try the hand. Try it. Try it. Come on, brothers. You can try too. Hallelujah. Okay. Some of y'all like, no, I'm too cool for that. All right. I want to get right into it. I'm talking too much. Let's just get right into it. If you have a Bible, I want you to turn to Mark chapter nine. We're going to look at verses two to eight. And whether you have a Bible or not, I want to encourage you to get out your notes app on your phone or get out a notebook and take notes tonight. Um, if you don't have a Bible or you don't have the app, the Bible app, you can look at the screen behind me as Sharon was so nice to prepare for, prepare this in advance, two minutes in advance because I gave a really late notice. And the title of what I want to talk to you tonight is called Jesus in a Box. Jesus in a Box. So I'm going to read it out loud. You can just look along and read with me. It says, and after six days... Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them and his clothes became radiant. Weird place to take a drink of water. I'm sorry. Intensely white as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah and Moses and they were talking with Jesus. And Peter said to Jesus, hey, Rabbi, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. For he did not know what to say, for they were terrified. 
And a cloud overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved son. Listen to him. And suddenly, looking around, they no longer saw anyone with them, but only Jesus. Bow your heads. Can I pray for us? Father, I just thank you so much for Emmaus here at Yonsei. I thank you for each and every person in this room. I thank you, Lord, that you love them with an everlasting love. And you desire for them to know you and to walk with you and to experience you. And so, God, I pray that tonight would be different for them, God, that they would experience you. They would know you. And God, that even the way that they thought about you would be changed. Lord, we just thank you in Jesus name. Amen. So in this passage, what we find is that Jesus before this, Jesus was sitting around chilling with his disciples. Now, what does that word disciples mean? It means just Jesus's closest friends that he's decided to mentor. He's taken 12 men and he's decided, check it out. I think you guys are really cool. You got a lot of potential. I haven't seen your resume, but I really want you to be around me. And so Jesus grabs these guys and he starts to disciple them. What does that mean? It just means that he began to teach them his ways. And towards the end, like these guys were Jews. And so they had this expectation that when the Messiah came, that he was going to be this king who was going to bring just a new kingdom, a new rule, a new government. He was going to be like this awesome person who's going to change everything. And then what happens before this passage is that Jesus tells them. Like they see Jesus do a lot of things. They're on his team. They're wearing his jersey and they see Jesus performing miracles. They see him touching people and eyes being open. They see lame people, people who are paralyzed, getting up and walking. They're seeing crazy stuff. They're seeing him walk on water and they're thinking he's a ghost and they're freaked out. And then they're like, this guy, he must be the real deal, right? He's the he's the real deal. I'm going to vote for him. I want him to be with me. And then Jesus flips the script on him. He changes it up and he says, listen. Actually, I'm going to die in like three days and it's going it's I'm about to die. They're going to everyone's going to reject me. They're going to strip all my clothes. They're going to torture me. I'm going to die. And they're like, no, we don't want you to die. I mean, they've been walking with him now for like two years. And he's like, listen, I'm about to leave. And they're like, why are you leaving? Don't go. Don't go anywhere. You're supposed to bring the kingdom. And he's like, shut up. No, I'm actually going to do it. He actually says. Like, that's my translation. But he says something similar to one of his disciples who says, Jesus, that's not supposed to happen to you. And he says, get behind me, Satan. Now imagine if God called you Satan, right? Get behind me, Satan. It's like, oh, why are you got to be so harsh? But Jesus, he rebukes them. And then after that, it says for about six days, they're hanging out. And Jesus pulls his three closest homies together. So people say that Jesus doesn't play favorites. No, we see in the Bible he had his best friends. He had his besties, his BFFs, his his squad. That's right. Hashtag squad. That's right. Bernadette got a squad. <laughs> Bernadette was like squad. <laughs> Woo! I didn't see that one coming. I, I didn't see that one coming. I didn't see Bernadette. I'm sorry, guys. I need a moment because Bernadette has a squad. Wow, that's how Bernadette rolls. Well, Jesus had a squad and he had his closest squad. <laughs> he has he, he had his squad and they, and he takes his squad. He takes Peter, James and John. And he's like, check it out. I want to show you something. You're going to roll with me. And so they, they get up in 
You know, no, they don't have a car. They walk up a mountain. (laughs) And you can imagine if I was Peter, I was James or I was John, I would have been angry the whole way because he's like, hey, just follow me. And then they go up a mountain. It's like walking up the halfway. Can you just stop? Can you tell us what we're doing? He's like, no, shut up. Keep going. Then they get up to the top of the mountain. All of a sudden they hit a corner. And listen, what I'm trying to do for you is I'm trying to paint a picture because the Bible is an actual story of actual events. And so you need to see it for what is really going on. They turn a corner. Jesus, he went a little further ahead. They turn a corner and Jesus is standing there. And it says he was transfigured. Meaning that his face began to shine like the sun. It's like, like it's like light. It was. Uh, I think the best. I'm trying to think the best analogy I can use for this. Um, you ever seen Michael Jackson when he was young? You know how Michael Jackson, when he was young, he looked like he was like brown, right? And then when Michael Jackson got older, his face got white. Is that wrong? Is something wrong with that? I'm just trying to paint a picture so you understand what happened. It says that his face shone like the sun. I don't mean his skin color changed. I just mean that light began to emanate from him and that all of a sudden his clothes even changed. And it said that his clothes became white. And all of a sudden they had this amazing encounter where they realized that Jesus wasn't just a man, but he was God. All of a sudden they realized that the person that they were walking with wasn't a man trying to be God. It was God who had became man. And so all of a sudden they see this, but not only do they see that, but they see Moses and Elijah and Moses and Elijah. These are the two most important people in their history. You know, Moses is the person who with the staff, you know, let my people go. And then they come out of Egypt and it represents the whole history of God bringing them out of slavery. Elijah was this amazing man of God, it says, who called down fire from heaven because the prophets, all the people who were saying they worshiped God, instead began to turn and begin to worship idols. And so these guys represented all of their history. They represented people that they were looking to. And what happened was that they see Jesus and they see Moses and Elijah and they're having a conversation and they're just talking. What's going on, Moses? Nothing much, Jesus. What's going on, Elijah? Nothing much, Moses. You know, it says in the Bible they were talking about Jesus' crucifixion. They were like, hey, you know, pretty soon you're going to have to do an exodus. And Jesus like, I know I'm going to go to the cross to pay for humanity's sins so that they can be with me forever. You know, they're having this moment. And it's amazing. And there's all this glory and white light and fog. And it's just awesome. Like you ain't never seen anything like that. No stage show can emulate what they were seeing in that moment. No, no, you know, computer graphics can emulate what they were seeing in that moment. It was amazing. You can imagine, like, think about it right now. Just, you can hear it. It's like, holy, you know. And then all of a sudden, Peter decides he wants to speak. Now, Peter, let me give you some context about Peter. Think about your closest group of friends. I don't know about your friends, but my friends and my group of friends, I think every group of friends has that one person that always speaks that you hope would never speak. You know, that one friend where you in a you in like a really nice place or you at a movie where that's really serious and they're laughing and talking throughout the whole thing. 
or they're the people who are always asking questions that embarrass everybody and you're like hey can you just you know i had a friend like that in high school his name was tyler he would always do that and we'd be like we'd talk to him right before we get there we'd be like listen okay check it out we're meeting like this person like we're meeting this is an important meeting when we, when i was a rapper before i got saved okay i know it's hard to believe okay but Hey, if Kanye West can rap, I feel like I can too, right? Oh, some of y'all with me on that. Some of y'all are like, no. <laughs> and I'm like, we, we had this meeting with this really important A&R. He was like an A&R connected with, with this rapper by the name of Buster Rhymes. You probably don't know who that is. but And we were about to meet with him. We are like, listen, we're about to meet. Let us do the talking, Tyler. He's like, all right, cool. No worries. As soon as we walk through the door, he's like, hey, what's up? Like, can you shut up? That was Peter. Peter, all of a sudden, holy moment. What's going on, Moses? Not much. What's going on, Elijah? Not much. What's going on, Jesus? Peter's like, hey, hey, check this out. Put it back up. I want you to see what Peter says. Here's what Peter says. He says, hey, 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 everybody over here, Rabbi. Hey, teacher, look here, verse five. It says Peter says to Jesus, Rabbi. It is good that we are here. How obvious. There's glory. There's lights. There's like doves and stuff. We don't need you to say it's good that we're here. He's like, hey, 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 I want to contribute. Can I contribute? Hey, it's really great that we're here, guys. And then here's what he says. He says, hey, let us make three tents. Everyone say tents. Not everyone said it. Uh, Let us make three tents. Everyone say tents. Let us make three tents tents one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah let us make three tents one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah can we cut on the AC a little bit it's really hot in here I feel like I'm gonna get tanned it's so hot Whew, it's hot here's what he says he he sees this amazing moment happening he sees Moses and Jesus and Elijah and he says I got an idea how about I make three tents for you guys? And what does a tent look like? I mean, I know you guys are thinking like, oh, okay, a tent. Like like the tents you make when you're kids and you're having playtime. Or maybe that was just me. But the actual word was booths. But another word to think of it was boxes. He said, hey, let us make three boxes that we can put around you, Moses, around you, Jesus, and around you, Elijah. And we know that this was a stupid idea because it says immediately God spoke in, in God, the father spoke in verse in chapter seven. And it says it spoke right to Peter, said, this is my beloved son. Listen to him, meaning shut up, Peter. But why did Peter say that? Why did he say that? He said that because he wanted to make sure that he could preserve that moment and put Jesus in a box. He wanted to make sure that what had happened there at the mountain, he could preserve and he could put certain boundary lines around it and he could have it in a particular place so that he could always go there to encounter Jesus, always go there to encounter Moses, always go there to encounter Elijah. And what I'm what I'm getting at here is that in the world, the same thing happens. You know, many people try to put Jesus in a box. You know, in the world today, it's all about putting Jesus in the box. You want you know how they say put Jesus in a the box? They say, 
hey, you know what? It's perfectly fine that you worship Jesus. It's perfectly fine that you're a Christian. That's perfectly fine. But can you keep those beliefs to yourself? You know, it's cool for you to have that religion and have that faith. But can you only don't don't spread that around here. Keep that to yourself. It's okay to have a private religion and relationship, but it's not okay for you to try to push that on somebody else. Don't talk to anyone else about Jesus. You know, this is something that's happening a lot at college campuses. You know, I'm from North Carolina and and there's this university in North Carolina called NC State, North Carolina State University. And recently they were in the news because they, they were in the news because they recently passed a law saying that if you're a student at the university, you cannot tell other people about Jesus. That if you're walking around on campus and you want to connect with you want to tell someone else about Jesus or you want to tell someone about the faith that you believe or you want to challenge their beliefs in something else. You can't do that. Why? Because your faith in Jesus needs to be needs to stay in a box. You need to keep it within these boundaries. You know, the world's all about that. If you think about recently in the in the past few years with different laws that have been passed, by, whether by the Supreme Court or in different areas. And whenever Christians speak up, you know what people say? Hey, why are you speaking up? Can you just keep that to yourself? Why are you telling people about what you believe? Can you just keep your beliefs within a box? And they want to put Jesus in a box. But the interesting thing is that Christians do the same thing. Many of us, we walk around and we put Jesus in a box, meaning that the only time we think about Jesus or the only time we try to connect with Jesus or the only time we try to pray or the only time that we're trying to have an encounter is at Emmaus or it's in Familia or it's on Sundays. But see, the problem with a box and putting Jesus in a box is that the only place you have Jesus with you is in the box and not when you're elsewhere. You know, the interesting thing about this story was that Jesus is up there with Moses and Elijah. And I want to explain to you the significance of these two guys. See, Moses, to to a Jewish mind, represented the law. Everyone say the law. How many of us have heard of the law before? Like, not like the law of the land, like, oh, (laughs) don't murder somebody. I mean, like the law in terms of the Bible. Some of us. Well, in the law. Most people refer to the law as being the Ten Commandments, right? Do not do this. Don't do this. Do this. Don't do this. But the law, actually, there's this book in the Bible called Leviticus. It's one of the first five books of the Bible. And in this book, it has over 350 laws, 350 laws that were given by God to the Jewish people. Why? Because God wanted to make sure that he, he wanted to show the people that he cared about every aspect of their life. I mean, it has everything as to how to handle when someone steals a goat, how to handle your marriage life, what to do if you have a rash. It says, what, what were women supposed to do if it's that time? Oh, is that awkward? Is that weird? It's in the Bible. You know, my one of my the weirdest verses in in Leviticus is what to do when you're in a fight and someone grabs you in an inappropriate place. I kid you not. You should read your Bible. You think you think Captain America is exciting. Just read Leviticus. Some of that stuff is wild. It's like it's you know what it says. It says that if you're in a fight with someone. Right. And then your wife 
reaches out and grabs the privates of the man that you're fighting, you are to cut off her hand. I was like, snap! When I read that, I underlined that. I was like, what does this mean? (laughs) I was like, what does this mean? Okay, first question, why would she do that? Second question, she got to lose her arm? I was like, man, God, he, whoo, he doesn't, whoo, he does not play. He understands you hit someone there. It is serious. What did that represent? What did the law represent? It represented the fact that God cared about the way that you lived your life. It represented the fact that God cared about the way you lived your life every single day of your life. You know, the Jews in the Bible there in the Old Testament, there isn't a Hebrew word for spiritual. Did you know that? There isn't a Hebrew word for the word spiritual. You know why? Because the Jews believed that everything was spiritual. In Genesis chapter one, they say God created the heavens and the earth. God created work. God gave us the ability to work. He gave us family. He gave us community. He gave us. He told us what our diet should be. God gave us all of that. There's no such thing as secular and spiritual to God. See, God cares about what you do with everything in your life. See, that's the thing what you need to understand is that God sees everything you do as spiritual. He sees what you do when you're in class as spiritual. See, how you're studying will either give glory to God or it won't. He cares about how you interact with your friends. He cares about what you look at on your phone. He cares about what you put on Snapchat. I just got Snapchat recently and it just it just kills my mind. I don't know what's going on. But anyways, everything is spiritual. I once heard this pastor say he said the word Christian is a great identity, but a poor adjective. Meaning that to God, there's no such thing as Christian music or Christian movies or Christian this or Christian that. There's only one type of Christian and that's someone, not something. And then there was Elijah. Elijah was a prophet. He represented all of the prophets in the Old Testament. And in the Old Testament, you know, you read uh, you read about Elijah or Jeremiah or Isaiah or all these different things in in the Old Testament. Most people look at this and they're like, what is going on? This is so weird. But the prophets, they represented people who were calling the people of God to actually love God sincerely. It was about loving God sincerely. But see, when we put Jesus in a box or we put these things in a box, what we're saying to God is, God, I don't I'm going to live righteously only in Emmaus. I'm going to live righteously. I'm going to live the right way or I'm going to love you the right way only when I'm at church. Or only when I'm here or only when I'm surrounded by other Christians, that's when I'm going to act right. But then once I leave, I act just like everyone else. How many of us are like that? We uh. When we're here in Emmaus, we, we, we sing the songs, we'll pray, we'll read our Bible. When, at, when we're there at church on Sunday, we act a certain way. Yeah, I'm really, oh, yeah, bless you. I'll pray for you. I oh, just bless my brother. I just bless my sister. But then the moment we leave, we're someone different. We pray here, but we don't pray anywhere else. We worship here, but we don't worship anywhere else. We act a certain way here. We act like we love God here, but everywhere else we act like we love the world. You know what that's called? 
That's called putting Jesus in a box. See, God doesn't want you to put him in a box. See, the reason why he said, listen, Peter, shut up was because he didn't want Peter to put Jesus in a box. Because Jesus isn't just meant to be a place that you meet at Emmaus. He's meant to be someone that's with you all the time. Not only that, but God wants to encounter you everywhere you go. Did you know that? God wants you to encounter him everywhere you go. He wants you to have moments where you hear his voice in class. Moments where you hear his voice when you're alone at night. Moments when you hear his voice in conversation with other people. But not only that, but God wants to encounter other people through you. See, you're not just supposed to encounter God here at Emmaus. You're supposed to be the Emmaus road to other people. See, Emmaus is not a place. It's not it's not an organization. Emmaus is a group of people. Meaning that everywhere you go, it's supposed to be that when you walk with people and you break bread with them and you open up your Bible with them and you talk with them and you converse with them, that they have an opportunity to encounter God. That even when you're back in your dorm room and you're just sitting there because of the fact that Jesus is walking with you everywhere you go, they're encountering Jesus, too. That's what it looks like to live a life without Jesus in the box. You guys hearing what I'm saying today? I'm trying to invite you into a Christianity that is actual Christianity. See, this other stuff where I just only talk to God here in this place at this time, set schedule. That's not Christianity. That's something else. See, what Jesus invites you into is a living relationship with him every single day of your life. That when you when you cut on music, even if it's not always Hillsong, that you hear his voice through it. When you walk down the street and you're having a conversation with someone. That you're living your life in such a way in which it's going to cause them to want what you have. Because, see, when you put Jesus in a box, no one wants what you have because they don't ever see what you have. Because you keep it over there in the box. Your friends that that you're around, you know what? The reason why they don't change is because Jesus is still in the box and you're over here. But it's time for you to take him out of the box and start bringing him with you. See, who Christianity is about walking with him, living with him, being empowered by him and, and living a life that reflects him everywhere you go. You know, after I became a Christian, I told you I was atheist for for six years. Right. And during that time, that's when I was a rapper. Right. I was rapping. and Hey, I was I thought I was decent, but that was my opinion. Subjective, you know, whatever. But I, I used to, I rapped with three other guys. And one guy was that guy, Tyler. <laughs> right? <laughs> and then two other guys. And, you know, when I was here in Korea and I started encountering God and God started changing my life and everything in my life started to reflect him. 
meaning that I could not contain what he was doing in my life, meaning I was not going to just limit it to when I was in a place where I thought it would be safe for me to talk about Jesus. But because he was in me, he was flowing out of every area, every post that I put up, everything I ever talked about. I'm not saying it was like all super religious, like, man, Jesus loves you. Jesus this. You hear what Jesus did for me today? It wasn't like that. It was like the fact that everything that my nature changed to a degree in which when people saw me, they were like, something's different. And you know who else also saw all my friends that I partied and rapped with. And then what began to happen was after a while, they started calling me and they're like, hey, man. What happened to you? And I'm like, man, there's this dude I met. And I, what you mean? <laughs> I'm like, there's this dude I met. He's changed everything. And after a while, you know what? They all started walking with Jesus. They all started changing. They all, and let me tell you, it wasn't like, oh, they all started going to church and they were like, oh my gosh, like, no, that's awesome. No, it wasn't like that. It was a process. But what began to happen was that each and every one of them, their hearts that used to be so hard started to soften. Their mindsets that started, that were so rigid began to open. Their hearts that were so bitter and angry and depressed, they started to open because they started to realize that this Jesus that they had saw in a box was so much bigger than the box. They saw in my life that had got how God changed me, he brought me out of years of abuse. He brought me out of years of alcoholism and drugs, and he brought me out of all of that, that bitterness and promiscuity. They saw the way that God brought me out of all of that. And they said, man, if God's big enough to take him out of that box, he can take me out of mine, too. See. Jesus wants to he wants to not just be outside of the box he wants to take you out of the boxes that hold you down as well and see when he takes you out of your box when you let him come out of his box he'll take you out of your box and he'll use you to take a lot of people else into the place of transformation and freedom let's pray together